don't want to continuously rely on taking probiotics. That can get really expensive. So we need to learn how to actually nourish our existing gut bugs, feed them the right types of fibers, and also maintain those healthy practices and habits because our gut bugs are affected by our stress levels. They are affected by how much sunshine we get in the day, by meditation practices, by exercise. Again, taking that holistic approach. That is Kathy Ozarkovich, and you've landed on the Me and My Health Up podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Harcher, a clinical nutritionist and lifestyle medicine specialist. The purpose of this podcast is to enhance and enlighten your well-being. And today, Kathy's going to be doing that just for you. We're going to be talking about three practical tips to improve your gut health. And it's part two of this gut health series that we're discussing on. And Kathy is an accredited practicing dietitian and founder of New Fit Wellness. A bit more about Kathy. She started working in hospitals and focused on guiding clients in a proactive health and disease prevention approach. Through research, Kathy found her passion for gut health and focused on understanding the relationship between the human gut microbiome and well-being. She practices as a holistic dietitian and is very pragmatic in her approach to health and wellness. And I'm just so excited to be back chatting with Kathy again. So without much further ado, I'd love to welcome you into the discussion I'm having with Kathy. Welcome back on the show, Kathy Ozarkovich. How are you today? I'm very well. Thanks, Anthony, for having me again. So great to have you on. Your first episode was a real hit on improve your gut health. There's lots of questions coming through that we want to address. And so this episode, uh, I guess, a deeper dive into what we discussed in the first episode, like we certainly spoke about from a, a big picture perspective, and you gave some great analogies around describing the gut health, like the coral reef and and it was fantastic in terms of visualizing what you were saying. And so today I'm really keen to have a, a deeper dive into how the listeners can improve their gut health. Awesome. Yeah, that uh, Great Barrier Reef analogy always works a treat, doesn't it? It's uh, something that we can all resonate with. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've got some other great analogies to uh, share today. So uh, let's just start off for those that have missed the first episode. Uh, a little bit of background about you I think would be good. A little bit about me. So I personally, through year 10 up to first year of uni even, went through an eating disorder. And for me, coming out of this eating disorder, I suffered a lot of gut health issues and I didn't know anything about it. I kind of stumbled through the dark and didn't have the support that I really wanted and going through that and learning about food and how it affects the body, I turned my obsession for food and calorie counting and restricting into a love for food as performance, food as helping me at whatever I want to achieve in life. So when I went on to uni to study dietetics, I delved deeper into my knowledge about this and took a gap year to really heal my own relationship with food. That was a really critical time for me, going traveling, meeting new people, and understanding more about my body and my relationship with food. It wasn't until later that I found out about gut health, and it actually helped me 
put together all the puzzle pieces of what I had experienced over the five years, six years of going through my recovery. It's been 10 years now since I started my recovery. And it's just so rewarding to have the whole picture and understand that what was really going on with my own personal gut microbiome, where was this bloating and these intolerances, where was it all popping up from and how I had actually weakened my own gut lining through the restrictive practices that I was doing. And very happy to say and share that now I'm not afraid of food and not afraid of any intolerances as I have a very strong gut lining and practice what I preach. And it's a very, very holistic approach to it. I specialize in helping people understand the food aspect of things, so nutrition and dietetics, but always also emphasize it's a holistic approach and reaching out to and connecting people with practitioners to help with their mindset and meditation and exercise and light therapy, all these things that help actually achieve the best possible gut health. I love that holistic approach you take, Kathy, because it's certainly much needed in terms of optimal outcomes. You just mentioned how bloating and digestive discomfort really affected you when you know you're obsessed about food and not eating well and you went on that journey and there's probably the listeners uh, tuned in and and they may have had this experience or maybe experiencing this discomfort and bloating and not feeling great around digestion and they probably end up going to the chemist to get some probiotics because they've read that probiotics is good for digestion and I know we certainly touched on probiotics in the first episode part one however we haven't had a deep dive into talking about specific strains and I know that you're a big advocate of finding the right strain for the person's condition so yeah if you could share more on that that would be fantastic absolutely so probiotics are part of the story it's never as simple as taking a probiotic and expecting that your gut's going to be healed Probiotics are those little gut bugs that we have, those little machines that work away at digesting fibers that we ingest. So when our gut microbiome is lacking in those healthy gut bugs, those gut bugs that are good for us, that digest fibers, if we reintroduce fibers suddenly, we can get that bloating and those intolerances because we don't have those gut bugs to actually help us digest the foods. This is something that I experienced as well, especially with nuts and seeds as I was restricting so much and weakened my gut lining and most likely my biodiversity of gut bugs was just lacking. When I would eat foods that I hadn't eaten for a while, all of a sudden I looked nine months pregnant at times and I was like 16 years old. (laughs) So... It's never as simple as taking a probiotic on its own. We need to actually fuel those gut bugs. And then again, we need to be strain specific on what probiotics we're taking. Um, So, for example, people with irritable bowel syndrome, research has shown a specific strain called Lactobacillus plantarum. There is much research out there to actually confirm lactobacillus plantarum helps people that suffer from irritable bowel syndrome. And if you want to be even more specific, lactobacillus plantarum is really good in combination with partially hydrolyzed guar gum, which is a prebiotic fiber. So probiotics, our little gut bugs, feed on prebiotic fibers to produce short-chain fatty acids. We covered this last time. So if we give the probiotic 
what it means, what to feed on, it's going to produce their waste product, their poop, short-chain fatty acids, help strengthen our gut lining. So suddenly you see that you can't just take the probiotic. We need to make sure you're getting the prebiotics. We need to make sure the bigger picture is happening, right? And we don't want to continuously rely on taking probiotics. That can get really expensive. So we need to learn how to actually nourish our existing gut bugs, feed them the right types of fibers, and also maintain those healthy practices and habits because our gut bugs are affected by our stress levels. They are affected by how much sunshine we get in the day, by meditation practices, by exercise. Again, taking that holistic approach. And Kathy, in the um, previous episode, we talked about diversity and how important it is. And it came up in your top three tips to improve your gut health. So just on that diversity front, you're mentioning pre-recording how important it is to not only to have increased fiber and the different types of fibers, but also to have fermented foods incorporated. So yeah, if you could explain that to the listeners, that would be great. Absolutely. I'm really excited about the fermented foods research just recently come out. I think it was around December 2021, end of last year. So there's this research paper that's come out and what the researchers did is they took two groups of people. One group of people went on a high fermented foods diet. So they incorporated up to, I think it was six servings of fermented foods, two with each main meal throughout the day. I'm pretty sure it lasted for about four or six weeks as well. And then this other group of people went on a high fiber diet. And it's really hard to control for what people do with their diets throughout the day. They had a dietitian help guide people and really found that people generally, because of the types of diets they were advised to follow, they would cut out a lot of those processed foods, a lot of those ultra processed foods. So at the end, they wanted to compare the gut microbiome diversity and what they found is, and this is really interesting, the people who had the high fermented foods diet actually did a little bit better in increasing biodiversity of the gut microbiome. So they increased the variety, the types of gut bugs that they had in their microbiome. That great barrier reef, coral reef system thrived. But the other interesting thing is with the people with the high fiber diet, so what they found in that cohort in those people is that people who started with a diverse gut microbiome did better with the high fiber diet. So again, coming back to that whole, what I was saying before of we need to have those little gut bug machines to help us digest those fibers. So actually Giving people a high-fiber diet where they might not be used to it and might not have those gut bugs, that's where we're going to cause some upset. It's all about tapering, slowly increasing the fibers and the different variety. That's what's really important. And whilst we slowly increase the types of fibers, we want to account for that holistic approach and make sure other things in order to help increase the biodiversity. And again, I would actually say this is a great research paper to emphasize the importance of both, both fermented and high-fiber foods. Coming back to the variety of foods again, 
We talk about eat the rainbow. I love this analogy of eating the rainbow because colorful, it's so, it's so good with kids. We want to eat as many colors as possible because different colors of plant-based foods, so your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your nuts and your seeds, beans and legumes, all these plant-based foods, each type has different types of fibers. So we're effectively feeding different micro gut bugs, microbes. So eat the rainbow can sometimes be very overwhelming for people. So many colors. I have actually made this a little bit simpler by saying, let's start with the traffic lights. Making sure that each main meal you have something red, something yellow or orange, and something green on your plate, in your sandwich, in your wrap. No matter what you're eating, is it a rice dish, is it a pasta dish? We want at least those three colors to be visible. Fantastic tips, uh, Kathy. Very practical. And I love that approach you have around incremental improvement, not going from zero to hero with five us. So really love that sort of slow, methodical, taper the client, really support them and nurture them. And then you overlay that with holistic health principles, which absolutely the outcome. So uh, really, really great tips. Just on the the one around fermented foods, can you give some examples of fermented foods? So it was really important. The research has made it very clear that the fermented foods that the people had to choose were from the fridge because those probiotics, those little gut bugs and microbes, they are live creatures. So they can't actually survive outside the fridge. If you're looking at pickles, for example, they're shelf stable and they're not going to have any of these these microbes that we want to be ingesting. So they chose things like kimchi and sauerkraut from the fridge. Also gut shots, kombucha has a bit of these as well. And what else did they choose? Anything from the fridge and the fermented kind of in the glass jars around each other, you can assume that they have these probiotics, gut bugs in them. Was yogurt incorporated? Yes, and Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Yogurt, kefir, and we can find film yolk, which is a Swedish type of milk at our grocery stores as well, like a running yogurt. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Kathy. And you mentioned fiber and the importance of having fiber in your diet and slowly increasing it and getting it really diverse in terms of the rainbows. Now, as you know, there's a rising trend with the keto and carnivore diet and that, that would certainly supplace some of the fiber in your diet because you're so full on the protein and the, the saturated fats. So I'd just love to get your thoughts on this ketone carnivore movement and its impact on gut health. Ah, yes, another thing I'm very passionate about. It's a strategy. There is research to show that the keto diet can help improve blood sugar levels and our biomarkers. However, it's not meant for long term. I really want to highlight it is not long term sustainable. And if we're going to follow this for years, it's actually starving out those good gut bugs. So it is effectively weakening our gut lining for the long term. And There is this myth going around that, you know, in the times that we were hunter-gatherers, we ate a lot of meat and meat-based foods because that was available to us. 
Well, in actual fact, when we look at what we were eating before in these hunter-gatherer times, one in every 20 hunt was successful. So we couldn't get our hands on these animals and these meats very often. We actually relied on the plant-based foods, on the berries and the wheat that was out there that we could easily pick. And actually research has shown in those times of hunter-gatherer, we would get up to 150 grams of fibre a day. Compare this to the average Australian intake of 20 grams of fibre a day. We are well below what we used to get. And the recommended is around 30 grams of fibre a day. We are below the recommendations. And it's not surprising that actually Australia is climbing up the ladder with pretty bad gut health at the moment. So definitely a short-term thing to get on if you're looking to just stabilize your blood sugars and maybe lose a bit of weight, but it's certainly not a long-term diet that someone should be looking at taking on. Absolutely. And, you know, even that short term, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Don't force yourself to follow a trend that maybe doesn't fit your lifestyle. And again, looking at it as a strategy, if you're going to go and do this, having the support and the guidance to do it right and how you're going to come off it and how you're going to actually change those habits. Like you mentioned before, I'm all about that holistic approach. And the reason we want to taper fiber back in after a while of not having it It's also so that we can work on the habits overall and the lifestyle. We want to be able to maintain it long term. We want to be able to keep the weight off if that was our goal of weight loss. We want to be able to keep those blood sugars stable as well. And we need to relearn healthy habits and practices around this. Fantastic suggestions. And yeah, I'd love uh, for you to summarize in your top three tips around practical strategies on how the listener can improve their gut health. Absolutely. So last time I shared my top three strategies, which was number one, increasing fiber, those plant-based foods. So really the best way to do this is focusing on the healthy plate model. The healthy plate model is available to everyone to look up. Baker IBI came out with this and It is half our plate to be covered with plant-based foods, with those vegetables, a quarter of the plate to be our carbohydrate source, which also includes corn, Um, beans and legumes can be included in that carbohydrate source as well, keeping in mind that beans and legumes also provide a bit of protein. So the last quarter of the plate is protein, about palm size or a deck of cards, if anybody remembers what that looks like. But really, when you look at this healthy plate model, three quarters of the plate is plant-based foods. There is no way you're not going to get enough fiber if you focus on this healthy plate model. And then really number two is that variety. Making sure that those plant-based foods are different colors, the traffic lights, like I said, something red, something yellow or orange, and something green. And really varying this daily or every second day, really trying not to rotate the carrot, broccoli and cucumber. We need to expand our taste buds and expand our variety and make sure that even our farmers, because we have effectively limited what our farmers are providing us 
by not increasing our variety of foods. So when we go to the grocery store, it's so easy. Tomato, cucumber, carrot. Tomato, cucumber, carrot. Well, that's all you're going to find if that's all you're buying because that's all our farmers are going to be providing and growing. Make sure you choose something that you haven't had in a while at least every second, third day. And tip number three is really drinking enough water throughout the day. And this can actually be hard in the winter months, the colder months. So going for warm teas and a personal favorite of mine is chicory root, which is caffeine-free as well. I use this and suggest this for clients who may have gone a little bit over caffeine intake. I call it fake coffee. It can be quite nurturing and lovely. And it's actually a fiber. Chicory root is a fiber. So we're getting a bit of those benefits there as well. Going for soups and teas and even a hot cocoa counts as liquid, as water. Um, Going for, you know, as sugar-free as possible, simple, that's going to be better for you filled with antioxidants, even if you wanted to melt some dark chocolate on your own over the campfire, this is lovely. Beautiful. It's making my mouth water as we speak. So I love those suggestions, Kathy. And is there like top three things to avoid or minimize? Yeah, definitely. So when we actually do the top three suggestions of including those plant-based foods and that variety and drinking enough water, naturally, just like happens in a lot of research, people tend to avoid the high processed foods. So definitely amongst those top three to avoid, avoiding processed foods and those ultra processed foods. So what I'm talking about here is anything that is packaged and high in trans fats and saturated fats and sugars and added sugars and added salts. But honestly, that would be one of the biggest ones. And being aware of your portion control, I would say, being aware of your meat portions. Again, going back to the healthy plate model, if you focus on that healthy plate model, naturally your protein source might decrease in size as you focus on more plant-based foods. You will be more likely to meet that recommendation of a deck of cards, which may seem like little. However, three quarters of that plate is filled with plants and fiber that's going to help fill you up. In terms of avoiding, I'm much more of an inclusive person. So let's make sure that we include these healthy foods and everything else will kind of, it just kind of disappears. There's no room for the, for the carbonated drinks, for the Cokes. There's no room for that much alcohol anymore when we're getting so much of the good stuff, definitely. And another concept that I focus on with my clients is real food. Again, including more real foods helps us avoid those highly processed foods. And real foods are anything that grows in a tree, grows in the ground, grows on a shrub, or was once swimming or running around, right? So these are real foods. When you get a packaged food and you turn it over looking at the ingredients, make sure you understand those ingredients. So you know that something is ultra-processed when you start seeing numbers, colors, preservatives, emulsifiers, gums, stabilizers. Those are your ultra-processed foods. Make sure you understand the ingredients and you can replicate it at home. 
sometimes I'll even tell clients, buy these suits, you'll see the ingredients, you can actually replicate it at home in your thermomix. This is how you can learn to use your fancy gadgets at home. Just replicate it. Absolutely. Love it. Love your tips, Kathy. And um, for the listeners' sake, how can they best connect with you if they need that support around improving their gut health? Absolutely. Just go to my website, New Fit Wellness. So that's www.newfitwellness.com.au and you'll find a lot of information here. I love writing my blogs as well. And you can reach out through a complimentary free discovery call, a 15-minute chat if you wanted to ask me anything and see how to work with me as well to help guide you on your journey towards better gut health. Fantastic. And uh, listeners, I'll include Kathy's website in the show notes so you can go directly to the show notes, click on that, and it'll take you directly to her website. And yeah, just like to thank you again for coming on the show and imparting your wisdom and really getting down deeper into gut health to really improve the listeners' gut health. So thank you, Kathy. Thanks for having me, Anthony. You're welcome. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode and stay tuned in for more insightful episodes. And please share this episode for anyone that you'd know would, who would benefit from, you know, if you hear them complaining about bloating or discomfort or thinking about doing the carnival diet or the keto diet please you know refer them to this episode because it could really help point them in the right direction and uh, stay tuned for more insightful episodes of me and my health up podcast disclaimer this podcast and any information advice opinions or statements within it do not constitute medical healthcare, or professional advice and are provided for general information purposes only all care is taken in the preparation of the information in this podcast connected wellness proprietary limited operating under the brand me and my health up does not make any representations or give any warranties about its accuracy reliability completeness or suitability for any particular purpose this podcast and any information advice opinions or statements within it are not to be used as a substitute for professional medical psychological psychiatric or any other mental health care or health care in general me and my health up recommends you seek the advice of a doctor or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition Inform your doctor of any changes that you made to your lifestyle and discuss these with your doctor. Do not disregard medical advice or delay visiting a medical professional because of something you hear in this podcast. This podcast has been carefully prepared on the basis of current information. Changes in circumstances after publication may affect the accuracy of this information. To the maximum extent permitted by the law, me and my health are disclaims any such representations or warranties to the completeness, accuracy, merchantability, or fitness for purpose of this podcast and will not be liable for any expenses, losses, damages, incurred indirect or consequential damages or costs that may be incurred as a result of the information being inaccurate or incomplete in any way and for any reason. No part of this podcast can be reproduced, redistributed, published, copied, or duplicated in a form without prior permission of me and my health up.